welcome to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. An emotional street naming ceremony in Newark honoring Sakia Gunn, the teenager who was murdered 20 years ago. A portion of Halsey Street that intersects with Academy is now Sakia Gunn Way. WBGO's Kenneth Burns reports on a new cultural center in Salem County to teach visitors about conservation and the Lenape culture. Where we are right now is where my ancestors were born. I'll chat with violin virtuoso Midori about her concert at NJ Pack this Sunday. I think Beethoven as a composer has become a very good friend. And NEA jazz master Dee Dee Bridgewater shares stories about the late saxophonist James Moody as the jazz festival in his name begins this weekend. I always loved James and I had the wonderful occasion to, to work with him. All this coming up today on the WBGO Journal. 20 years ago, in the early morning hours of May 11th, 15-year-old Sakia Gunn and her friends were waiting for a bus on the corner of Broad and Market Streets in Newark when two men pulled up in a vehicle attempting to hit on them. When the girls rebuffed the advances, Sakia stepped in, asserting, We're not interested. We're lesbians. A scuffle broke out and Sakia was stabbed in the heart and bled to death in the arms of her best friend, Valencia Bailey. This past weekend, the city of Newark formally honored Sakia Gunn's memory with a street named in her honor. WNET host and former WBGO News reporter Jenna Flanagan was on hand for the ceremony. Now on a count of three, we pull in. One, two, three! It was an unusually hot and sunny day in late October, but according to Sakia's mother, Latana Gunn, it's because her daughter was beaming down on everyone. My baby's smiling at everybody on a sunny day. Trust me, this sunny day is because of her, because she know what the world is doing for, well, not the world, but everyone you see here is doing for her right now. A portion of Halsey Street that intersects with Academy is now Sakia Gunn Way. A decision that Newark City Council President LaMonica McIver says was chosen intentionally. Having it here on the same street where our center is for folks who are visiting our center, for the community here to walk past and see Sakia Gunsway right here where the Prize Center sits was very important and we strategically did it that way. While Sakia's murder took place on the corner of Broad and Market, that intersection was already named for the late Kenneth Gibson, Newark's first black mayor. And even though it took 20 years for Sakia to be formally memorialized by the city, Reginald Bledsoe, Essex County Director of LGBTQ Affairs, says it was important for Newark to do this. Because at the end of the day, uh, this could happen to anyone's child. And what we're saying today with this street dedication is no more. Speaking at the podium, best friend Valencia Bailey, who held Sakia in her arms as she died, began to break down as she recognized the true significance of the day. With this sign, her name, her name will forever be on this earth. It's, everyone's going to know who she is, whether it's by accident, on purpose, by force. You're going you're gonna to see her name. Now uh, you got the sign, you get to see her name in lights when the sun comes up. You get to see her name in the lights when the moon rises. Everyone who, who walks by, rides by, go on Google Maps, <laughs> looking for something That's over here. Y'all gonna see her name. Y'all gonna see Sakia Gunn's name. 
I'm never going to let you die because I'm never going to let you go. Mayor Roz Baraka, who lost his own sister, Shani Baraka, alongside her partner just a few months after Zakia, says the street sign is important, but education about LGBTQ people in Newark, like Zakia and Shani, are key. At the end of the day, we just have to do a better job explaining to our young people the history of the things that goes on in our city. Mayor Baraka says he wants the rest of the country to know that Newark, New Jersey is an open and inclusive city for all. As the ceremony drew to a close, Reverend Kevin Taylor, North Jersey Community Research Initiative Director of LGBTQ Services, including the nearby Project WOW, of safe space for the city's queer youth gave the benediction encouraging everyone to lift up Sakia's name. And as we've continued to say all year, maybe one day we're on the Sakia Gun Day. Maybe today we'll walk down Sakia Gun Way. And maybe one day we'll all be bold enough to be Sakia Gun Gay. Stand up for yourself. Stand up in your life. Sakia Gun. Say her name. Say her name. Say her name, Sakia Gunn, Sakia Gunn, Sakia Gunn. God bless you all. In Newark, I'm Jenna Flanagan for WBGO News. Jenna Flanagan has released her new podcast series about the crime titled After Broad and Market. A Lenny Lenape organization is raising money and drawing up plans for an educational cultural center in Salem County, New Jersey. The Kohansic Nature Reserve sits on a 63-acre parcel and plans to teach visitors about conservation, land stewardship, and the Lenape culture. Ty Gold Jacinto is the founder of the Native American Advancement Corporation. The organization aims to help the next generation of Nanticoke Lenny Lenape people while teaching others about energy conservation. Create jobs so that our children and our grandchildren can learn building science, you know, to go to school to learn building science, to get trained to learn building science, and to help with energy savings. Jacinto, who is a carpenter and realtor, started the nonprofit from her dining table. From there, it moved into a rented space in downtown Bridgeton. She eventually bought a building to create room for 36 employees, but the space became tight. Then in 2021, she stumbled upon 63 acres in Quinton Township. It was listed under a place where I wasn't looking. It was hidden from me until the time came. The price tag? $1.2 million. Jacinto negotiated it down to $820,000 plus closing costs. Her organization received help from the New Jersey Conservation Foundation, the Nature Conservancy, and the state's Green Acres program to acquire the former church property. The 63 acres is but a small part of a forest that comprises thousands of acres that has been untouched by development. Jacinto has a deeper connection to the land. Where we are right now is where my ancestors were born. Raised. That's Mark Quiet Hawk Gold, Jacinto's father. He was chief of the Nanticoke Lenny Lenape tribal nation for 45 years. The families all stuck together. Uh, you couldn't find a wife because everybody down the street was your cousin. That's how many of us were right here. Gould and Jacinto believe there is an energy of acceptance from the land. But this, this area here, is where we feel, I feel most energy. As we walk through the forest together, Jacinto takes us to where she felt her ancestors. She had built a fire circle out of stone there. What we do with our circles, we plant trees when someone passes for the ancestors. And this was already a circle. 
with the larger trees with the baby trees all the way around and we can only enter in this side which is the east side from the east door so the remaining side will always be covered um, surrounded by the trees i ask her what the energy feels like you know i'm not a firm believer of you know ghosts and so forth but I told my husband this you know because every time we would walk in certain areas the hair would stand on my arms he said well you know you can't discount that he said energy cannot be destroyed or created you've had births and deaths and you've had families and you've had tragedies and you have happiness all on that property for thousands of years in your family the Nanticoke Lenny Lenape people have inhabited southern New Jersey for thousands of years long before Europeans kept records of their visits. Much of what we know about this period comes from these written historical records. Dr. William Kerrigan is a history professor at Rowan University. Certainly when we have those first records appear, it's already clear that the Nanako Lenape people had been living in the area for a long period of time. They survived initial tensions with early 17th century Dutch and Swedish settlers, but diseases would have a devastating impact on the people, causing some to move away. Eventually, more than a million acres of land was taken from the Lenape people by the sons of William Penn via the walking purchase. With Lenape numbers still on the decline in New Jersey in the mid-18th century, Kerrigan says an offer was made to those who remained. The relatively small number of Lenape that are left agreed to give up the rest of their land claims in exchange for a little over 3,000 acres of land in this first government-supported reservation. That reservation, Indian Mills, also known as Brotherton, operated for more than 40 years. It's located in modern-day Shemong Township, Burlington County. But not all moved to the reservation. Some integrated to a degree within nearby South Jersey communities, maintaining their traditions and identity. According to Dr. Janet Lindman, chair of the history department at Rowan, New Jersey, starting in the 19th century, began to reassign a race to its Lenape residents. Instead of calling them Indian, they would call them colored. So they'd count them as if they're black people, even though they weren't. And that was another way to kind of whitewash the history and say, see, they're vanishing Indians. There are no Indians around here. Chief Gould remembers those days. We weren't allowed to express our heritage at all. And one of the things that happened, and the parents would come out and tell you that you can't say that. And we didn't understand. Gould says his family attended an AME church because that was the only house of worship available to them. They were also under the same segregation rules as African Americans. When I went to the movies, I had to sit in the balcony. I knew that when I went into uh, J.C., not J.C. Penney's, yeah, J.C. Penney's, I had to sit on a stool, a special stool. We had those kinds of restrictions that I couldn't understand when I was younger. With inspiration from the civil rights movement, Professor Lindman says attitudes started to change in the mid-1960s. So you get the forming of AIM, the American Indian Movement, in Minneapolis in the late 60s. She says AIM spoke up for Indian rights and for reclaiming tribal land after an effort under the Eisenhower administration to detribalize Indians in the 1950s, forcing them to go to the cities. But of course, with the ongoing racism, it didn't really work. And so a lot of groups lost their land. 
And of course, it was sold off to developers and white people took it over. And, and so there are groups who tried to get them back. For the Native American Advancement Corporation to be able to reclaim their land is a huge deal, says Lindman. Chief Gould has another perspective. The creator saw to it that we got our land back. We didn't take anything. For the WBGL Journal, I'm Kenneth Burns in Salem County. The report from Kenneth Burns is part of the WBGO Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion feature series made possible in part by a grant from the Fund for New Jersey. Joining us on the WBGO Journal is the acclaimed violinist, visionary artist, activist, and educator, Idori, who will be performing at NJ Pack on Sunday at 3 p.m. on November 5th. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have you here. You know, you explore and build connections between music and the human experience. And after listening to a number of interviews that you've done in the past, for you, it's it's all about connections. It's all about getting people together. It's not just about the music. For you, it's so much more, isn't it? I think that music has this incredible capacity, this power to bring people together. And when people are connected, when people are brought together, when people start to talk to each other, I think all different things, good things happen. It's actually, I think, a very important step in starting to understand each other better, um, having the possibility to look for ways to collaborate, also to be uh, able to respect each other. I think it's very important uh, to be able to have this kind of relationship. The solution um, is not to actually have contact. The solution is to really try to have productive collaboration and having that relationship and that coming that comes out of respect mutual respect um and really interest in each other and of course in my own experience what i've learned along the way is that i've learned so much also about myself maybe even more about myself through these uh, relationships and connecting with others you've connected and collaborated with world-renowned musicians like Leonard Bernstein, Yo-Yo Ma. At early age, you were connecting with some of these wonderful people. And when you think about being someone who's had a four-decade career, practicing was a joy for you, and wanting to become as good as you could possibly be was motivation for you. What I recognize about practice is that when you practice right, there is a very clear trajectory um, that you're going to improve. And that in itself is very motivating. Uh, I find the music, of course, very inspiring. And this work, you know, just knowing that with the right kind of practice um, done well, one, of course, has to learn to practice well. I think knowing that end goal, it may take time. It's not something that's going to happen. That's something I can accomplish in five minutes. 
it's not instant, but this building of steps and eventually getting to a different place. I think it's just, I've just always been very, very intrigued by this, this change. So you celebrated your 40th anniversary last season with Warner Classics release of the complete Beethoven sonatas for piano and, and violin. What is it about the work of Beethoven? Everybody knows that, you know, the genius of it. But for you, what does the work of and performing Beethoven's music mean, especially to Midori? I think Beethoven as a composer has become a very good friend. Um, while I might be in awe of some of the composers, um, I might be intimidated by other composers, whatever it is, just as a human being. A Beethoven is somebody that I'd like to just be able to have a friendly conversation, maybe perhaps over a nice, nice meal. Um, there's something so human about Beethoven. And of course, what he has endured, he must have had so many frustrations, so many difficulties, so many disappointments, uh, things that angered him. He was a man that had very strong uh, beliefs um, and he wanted to stand up for his rights, uh, for what he felt um, were necessary, what he felt were important in his life, in his world. Um, and yet his music is so peaceful at times, so beautiful. And sometimes I listen to this melody that he wrote um, and it's just so um, incredibly hopeful and beautiful that it gives one hope, it gives me hope that yes, there could be many things and there are many things that go on, but there is this ability, if you look for it, to believe in the beautiful things. And if you believe in that, you can work, you can continue to work towards that. What are you looking forward to when you play at NJ Pack and, and really connecting that word again, connecting with the audience? Of course, I, I believe that's the day of the marathon, uh, the performance. <laughs> um, sometimes I have to think about very practical things as well. I'm very much looking forward. Um, of course, after the lockdown, after the pandemic, um, things are now coming back. Things have come back. We are performing. We are um, presenting in full force, so to say. And, and so I haven't been to injury back. Um, since before the pandemic and so i'm very very excited uh to be returning everyone has talked to you about what it was like when you were this young girl performing and your debut at age 11 with the new york philharmonic how often do you think about that now because you know you've done so much since and you've been all over the world and i'm sure the visits to japan have been extremely special to you but how often do you think about the New York Philharmonic performance? I think about it. Um, first of all, if I pass by Lincoln Center, I think about it, I suppose. Um, and that's fairly often. So um, I do remember the excitement that I felt back then of walking out on stage, because this excitement of walking out on stage, this something that actually happens inside me, 
this hasn't changed. And it's not just about being at Lincoln Center, but it's at every venue. It's at every performance. The first step out onto the stage is indeed very, very special. And that feeling that I get in my body, it's a physical reaction. That's something I actually um, live with. Responsibility. You take your responsibilities extremely seriously, especially when it comes to being an artist and a humanitarian. You served as the United Nations Messenger of Peace and was named a Kennedy Center honoree back in 2021. What did that honor mean to you? So I continue to serve as a Messenger of Peace for the United Nations. Um, and I was given uh, this possibility, this opportunity because of the work I do through my own organizations and my projects. And I try to incorporate the uh, sustainable um, goals of the United Nations. I fold them in, uh, which is not difficult to do in certain areas um, of these goals um, into my existing work. Uh, so I'm not per se, the messengers don't have a particular uh, role to play in receiving an assignment of activity from the UN, we are expected to um, fold the messages of, of the UN and to promote the sustainable goals through the existing work that we each do, whether it's going to rural areas, um, going to developing areas and regions of the world, um, in Asia, trying to actually bring access to those that actually don't have this access to music, to the performing arts. They are done through my work with my organizations, giving this access, but then I'm also carrying together this message of the sustainable goals. The sustainable goals of the UN have a lot to do with quality of life. And it's not just to make the lives barely survivable, but to make really a quality of life, to make it um, enjoyable, to make everyone responsible, to be able to participate in this world, um, to be able to dream and to pursue that dream. It comes actually with both sides. Of course, you benefit from the fruits of these goals, but then you also have to be a participant in making sure that these goals can be assured for the next generations to come. So um, it's not that you just enjoy, but you are responsible to make sure that this can continue and that this can actually be bettered. So um, as a human messenger of peace, I'm always trying to promote, for example, it's very naturally fitting to my work, access to education, youth development, um, addressing issues of gender inequality, um, question of access for all people, um, all people, including different ages, different backgrounds, different abilities. So, um, and then of course, we are all very concerned about the environment um, and we try to do our best. Uh, so in many, many different ways, I'm able to incorporate the goals um, and to support their goals through my work. Your performance is described as simply magical. And we can see how deep uh, the performance moves us as well when uh, we hear the music of Midori and she'll be performing 
at NJ Pack on Sundays, and that's November 5th, Sunday, November 5th at 3 p.m. Pleasure, continued success, and continue all your work and inspiration that you do for the young people out there as well. Thank you so much. You can see my entire conversation with me, Dory, on the WBGO Facebook page. NEA jazz master and singer Dee Dee Bridgewater joined acclaimed pianist Bill Charlotte this weekend to kick off the 12th annual T.D. James Moody Jazz Festival. I spoke with Dee Dee recently and asked her about what made Moody so special. I love James. I always loved James, and, and um, I had uh, the wonderful occasion to, to work with him. Well, I had many wonderful occasions to, to work with him, and um, we just always had, had a ball. I love Linda. I was in uh, San Diego and, and hooked up with Linda. Um, and I try and keep in touch with Linda so I know what's going on in her world. And, and um, you know, because we develop such a fond relationship. So the thing that I just loved about Moody was he was always so positive. It didn't matter the situation. He was just always so positive. And his music just had a joyfulness to it. Everything he played, it was you could hear a smile in it. Even when he would be being silly and, and scatting, you 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 could see and hear the smile in it. And so that's that's my takeaway with James is 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 the smile and um just the joy that he brought to to every stage that he was on and and the joy that he brought to the projects that we we did together one project in particular we did um in the well see this is gonna really date me and for the listeners forgiveness okay forgiveness understanding um <laughs> was in like 1986 when philip morris the cigarette company was doing these Philip Morris super band tours. And in 86, the tour lineup was, let's see if I can remember everybody. Well, it was Moody. It was Grady Tate on drums. It was let's see, Jimmy McGriff on organ. It was Clark Terry, James, George Mraz on bass. It was just wild and me and it just, <laughs> I can tell you some anecdotes, but I don't think. <laughs> oh, maybe one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for our listeners. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. So. <laughs> you don't want to share even one with us? I don't know. I don't know. Let me think about it. Let's talk about some other stuff. <laughs> We'll come you know, back to we'll come back to that if you want. <laughs> this one. Moody hated cigarette smoking. And um oh, and Kenny Burrell was on it. Wait a minute. Look, see, it's all coming back. Um and we were in, it seems like we were in Osaka, and we were getting on a bus, and there was a giant um uh cigarette blow up cigarette that was outside of a of a little convenience store <laughs> next to the hotel entrance and I think it was Johnny Gary because Johnny Gary was our 
our road manager. And I, Johnny Gary went and bought this inflatable cigarette and put it on our bus. Because James Moody always liked to sit in the back of the bus. And so we were all sitting on the bus. And for some reason, James was late. And so James comes on the bus and he's walking to the back and then he kind of looks up from saying hello to all of us. And he sees this giant inflatable cigarette. He goes, okay, Daddy Gary, that's not, that's not funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> you uh, know, that kind of slight list. How am I? And I just fell out. I <laughs> fell out because he was so serious and it was like, First time we saw him, like, really serious. He was so mad. And I just thought laughing. And he was like, Dina Bridgewater, that's not funny either. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's a great story. I mean, what, what a way, that's a great way to celebrate the Moody Festival with, with, a, with a wonderful story like that. We love it. I, I love him. You know, James, for me, is part of a just a, 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 a dying generation of men and gentlemen and, and legends in the jazz music that they just, they don't come this way anymore. The stature, the gentlemanliness, the, the warmth, the caring, the humor, the, you know, besides all of the musical knowledge, you know. I'm speaking about the individual, you know, these in individuals, they were from his era, from that generation. For me, they were such gentlemen and they were all so caring with me. And there was a, a, a genuine caring and a genuine love, you know, and a love for the music, a love for the, the musicians. It was, there was just a love that you could feel. You can hear the entire conversation with NEA Jazz Master Dee Dee Bridgewater at WBGO.org. Thanks for listening to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. Join us next Saturday morning at 5.30 for another edition of the award-winning WBGO Journal. In the meantime, stay tuned to the world's greatest jazz and blues station, WBGO and WBGO.org.